Welcome to Mining Stock Daily. I'm Trevor Hall, and today is Friday, August 3rd. We're going to jump right into an interview I conducted with Mindoro Capital CEO, Tio Deshev. Earlier this week, Mindoro granted Freeport an option to earn in Mindoro Savanac and Basavika exploration licenses in their South Timok Magmatic Complex. So she goes in-depth more about that agreement, along with the value proposition of Mindoro Capital. Mandoro Capital is traded on the TSXV under the symbol MUN and in the U.S. OTC markets with the symbol MUNMF. And we will speak with you on the other end of the interview. Joining me today is Tio Deshev, CEO of Mandoro Capital in Vancouver. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. Uh, you had a pretty big news release that came out earlier this week regarding a, a joint venture of Freeport Mac Moran uh, exploration. Uh, can you discuss the uh, two phases of this joint venture with the company? Absolutely. Um, the joint venture is structured really in two key phases. Uh, and phase one is Freeport has the option to earn in 51% by spending $5 million U.S., now, at the end of phase one, they really have to make a decision. Do they want to go into phase two, where they would be sole funding an additional $40 million in order to earn in another 24%? Uh, or do they want to stop at phase one? So if they decide to go from phase one to phase two, complete phase two, then it really comes down to they own 75% and Mandoro ends up owning um, uh, 25%. And that... 25%, then we have to decide whether we continue to uh, or whether we contribute uh, along um, kind of our pro rata share or whether we allow ourselves to get diluted down. And if we get diluted down, uh, it's really going to be below uh, a 10% threshold. And that threshold basically states then at that point, um, Mandoro's 10% would actually get converted into a 2% NSR royalty. And that, I think, is extremely important because as a junior company, you rarely have the capital and the capability to keep up with a major spending. Uh, and really what you want is um, uh, a mechanism where you do, if you do end up diluting down, you don't dilute down to zero. There is a solid royalty, and that's the, um, the way that shareholders can continue uh, participating in that project because think about it if if the asset actually goes through the entire process and uh, makes it to to a size where there's going to be continued expenditures it's going to be an asset that would be meaningful and have value to the major partner so a two percent royalty for a project you know that would qualify for Freeport's portfolio we think is a tremendously value valuable opportunity for our shareholders well, you were a shining light in a very bearish market this week when after the news release, shares obviously jumped up, I think, up 20 or 30 percent uh, after the news release. So uh, that was really exciting for you and the company. Um, I might also add that I'm also an investor into Mandoro Capital, and uh, so obviously I do have uh, a little bit of uh, <laughs> interest in the company as well. Uh, but I was really interested in the news release itself under the agreement uh, Mandoro remains the operator of this joint venture. And why is this important for Mandoro and its shareholders? It is important for us. And, and I think the way to think about it is really from, from a, uh, in kind of like a holistic point of view of the asset. We acquired uh, this asset, not acquired, we staked this asset back in 2012. 
So we've been with this project working with various, you know, for example, we had First Quantum involved in 2015. We've been working on this project uh, every year for the last five years. And it would be a mistake to just switch operator to an entirely new group. What you really want is continuity and continuity of information. And particularly, we have established very good relationships with the local community there. And as a result, you know, one of our uh, objectives in a lot of our conversations with any third party that's interested in partnering with us is to really maintain that continuity in the first phase. So for phase one, it's important that we maintain our operatorship, and that's what we've done both with uh, our JogNet transaction and with, um, with the Freeport transaction. And we also get paid a management fee for being the operator. Mm-hmm. So that's another way for us to um, basically you know, diversify our risk in terms of expenditures. It allows us to really, as a company, ideally what we'd love to be in a situation is where we are sustainable as an expiration company. We're not losing money every year, but actually we don't, want to go back to shareholders every year in order to just maintain a company. The company's strategy really should be taking care of that. So we think that this partnership model has has um, has worked really well so far. And obviously, you know, we want to be able to continue doing that in the future. Well, I wanted to kind of take a step and look at the area that uh, you guys have licensed for exploration there in Serbia. And it's interesting to note that sandwiched between this new Freeport JV area and your Jogmec JV licensed areas, both the Rikita property. Am I pronouncing that right, Rikita? Yes, they're they're com- they're local companies at Akita. Okay, and licensed by both Nevsum and Freeport, along with two different properties licensed by you, Mandoro, and available for potential joint ventures as well. Uh, so, can you share with us any information regarding conversations about those two properties? What are some similarities and differences in geology that you're finding? Uh, in those two areas as opposed to the other areas that you have JVs with? So all four licenses, uh, which we call the South Timok package, uh, of which two have now been, uh, you know, optioned off to Freeport, um, all four licenses are within the southern half of the Timok complex. So geologically, they're very similar. Um, What we wanted to do, and it's important for us to ensure that all the licenses have a fair share of expenditures in terms of um, investment in order to determine, you know, if the targets are good and to really test those targets. And it's really hard to do that when there's 400 square kilometers. So it was important for us to separate the package because if you think about it, uh, with JogMec, our license area is about 150 square kilometers. Uh, with the Freeport transaction, that's about let's say 225 square kilometers. So the remaining portion, which is I think still around 200 square kilometers, I mean, that's a lot of ground. And so what we really wanted to make sure is that anyone that we partner with could really take on the entire land package. And hence why, you know, we separated the Southern package into two. And now we're in continuing conversations with interested third parties about uh, that piece of uh, ground that's available for for optioning. It's very, it's very interesting to see the, the, the action and how it kind of moved over that middle, those middle properties into, into the recent JV with Freeport. So I, I had to ask the question. Uh, I did want to ask you a little bit about uh, your corporate share structure. The Mandoro share structure is really tight, 69 million shares outstanding. Uh, it's very fortunate the company has $3.5 million in the bank 
and zero debt, uh, which is a great asset as well. Uh, can you share with us uh, who a few of your biggest shareholders currently are? Absolutely. Um, so we do have Sprott as an investor, um, Sprott based out of the U.S., and uh, they've been an investor probably for the last uh, couple of years. Um, on top of that, there is a fund uh, in the U.K., uh, Roofer, which um, became an investor last fall. And um, they hold approximately 13%, so they have made a public filing on that. Um, as well, we have a Toronto-based uh, family trust uh, who's been a shareholder for quite some time um, and owns just under 10% of the company. Um, along with that, we have a Swiss fund that's an investor. They came on board also in the fall of last year, uh, a very well-known fund uh, out of Switzerland. And uh, the type of fund that I've seen over probably at least a decade, invest in various juniors uh, and, and really stay with those strategies, which we think is interesting, uh, and certainly from a shareholder you know, value perspective. Um, as well, we have a New York-based hedge fund, uh, which owns just under 10%, which came in through the financing last fall. Um, and there is actually one more kind of a private wealth uh, management group out of, out of New York that also um, uh, is, is a reasonable size investor in the company. And that's actually Adrian Gay okay. and his and his portfolio. So I would say that probably about um, 60% of the company is held in, you know, what we traditionally call institutional hands. And probably the remaining 40% is held in, um, in retail hands from individual investors who, you know, do their own homework and try and understand, you know, really where mm -hmm. to invest, which... I can uh, I can attest to having been in equity research that it's no small task, and uh, when people try and do it on their own, it's it's I, I can I can see how it would be hard to distill through fifteen hundred you know publicly listed companies and decide yep that's that's the one I'm going to invest mm -hmm. in. Well, that's a good segue into my final question, actually, Tia. Finally, for those who may not be familiar with the junior resource market and investing in this area. How would you communicate Mandoro's current value proposition to those individuals? Well, obviously I'm biased. <laughs> and I think there's a very good value proposition, but let's break it down. You know, if, uh, if, I, was, if I was in equity research today, what would I be saying about the company? Um, so first of all, you know, from my own perspective, technical merit is the number one criteria. And that, that is certainly what I would use as the main filter in terms of why I would get into a, a specific equity. So these projects in uh, the Timmet complex, I think are a tremendously unique opportunity. They are unique because we are, you know, as resources are becoming more complicated, I would say, to discover, and there's lots of, you know, uh, discussion in the industry as to who and why, but in that scenario, when you've got a land package of 800 square kilometers around existing mines that have been in production for 100 years uh, in a community where they are fully on side with um, mining and the expiration cycle, in a government that is open and uh, conducive to foreign investment, uh, you've got a great labor force locally around those mines. And as well, there is a real interest in the district because of a very significant discovery with Chukadopeki. That is very unique. And to have a land package as large as Mandoro's 
that's also unique. So from a merit point of view, it is definitely a sound um, portfolio of really good targets that have the ability to find you know, world-class style deposits. So that I think is the number one criteria. The second is as a team, I think we're excellent. We've been together for the last five, six years now in this strategy. So we all, uh, so basically the idea was, you know, from Mandoro moved away from its investment in China uh, and we invested in Eastern Europe and specifically Serbia and Bulgaria. And the entire team has been built around these projects. You know, who understands porphyry systems? Who has been working in this district for, you know, 20 plus years? That is, again, a unique thing because we've had an opportunity to put together a team that not only locally is very experienced, but we augment that um, understanding locally with world-class expertise. And that, again, it's that kind of winning formula. As well, obviously, on the capital market side, we understand you know, shareholder value and we understand how to communicate our story. Now, obviously, it's hard when you're one of 1,500 companies, but um, I think at the end of the day, the assets, um, the management team and the company, everyone that we have involved, as well as the jurisdiction, the fact that it is, I think, a very good place to be doing business. Those three things combined give you a very good stable base of justifying the current valuation. Then when you compare it and say, okay, well, so it's a great company, great assets, great team. How does that compare? Is everybody great? You know, how, how does that fit within the larger scheme of exploration stories? And that's where we, we actually have a slide on that in our presentation, which we you know, think is really important for investors to understand. We are exploration. It is high risk, but it is the opportunity for high reward. So what you really want to see is a management team that can effectively manage shareholder dilution, because that's the number one risk in all exploration equity. Now, go out there, and, and I, I think this is really important. Go out there and find a company that is spending around two to four million a year on expiration with a burn rate of less than $800,000 with five million in the bank and is trading at three million enterprise value. In a world-class district where majors are interested in doing transactions. Not very many of those and I think that's the opportunity. I mean, there's no reason why our company can't be trading at valuations where you see, you know, some some of the peers, for example, in that slide trading, and that's not even based on a discovery. That's just based on the fundamentals of what we have today. And for a good visualiz visualization of where Mandoro sits in some of those categories, I would reference people to your corporate presentation found on your website. I think it's pretty top notch for people to. There's a lot of comparisons there between Mandoro and and uh, other other peers within those groups as well to see where you place. Uh, in some of those categories, so I, it's, it's a really good corporate presentation. I would recommend anybody interested in Mandoro Capital to really reference that. Obviously, with any with any junior mine, I'd always reference that corporate presentation as well. Um, Theo, that's really all the time we have. Is there anything quickly you wanted to add uh, that uh, you, it would be worthwhile for listeners to know about Mandoro? I think we've covered a lot in terms of the projects and the joint ventures um, and, and you know, what we want to achieve this year, which is you know, getting out on the ground with, with Freeport on, on these particular projects. And then, of course, the, the upcoming news from the Borstal drilling program that we expect to be out in the fourth quarter of this year. Well, something to look forward to. Thank you so much for your time and congratulations on the news and uh, all the best to you 
uh, during the exploration season and into the winter. Great. Thank you. And thank you to Tia for joining us on this interview from Mining Stock Daily. And for our listeners, please be reminded that we have a wide range of distribution for Mining Stock Daily, including every smart speaker from Amazon, Google, and Apple. We're also streaming on Anchor. Podcasts is on Apple Podcasts and iTunes and Google Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. And with a shameless plug, Mining Stock Journal, a partner with this podcast, has just recently released his new Mining Stock Journal, so you may look at investmentresearchdynamics.com if interested in subscribing to that newsletter. So that's going to end it for us today and this week. I'm Trevor Hall. As always, Mining Stock Daily is brought to you by Clear Creek Digital and Investment Research Dynamics Mining Stock Journal. Have a great weekend. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein.